0: I'm Carol Coletta, and this is Night Cities. Mayor Chuck Reed has been mayor of San Jose, California for almost eight years. He is term limited and will conclude his tenure as mayor December 31st this year. What do you know now that you wish you had known when you started your first term as mayor? It
1: would have been helpful to know just how bad uh, the fiscal situation was going to get during the middle of my terms with the crash of 2008, you know, we had huge impacts uh, on governments around the country. And it would have been nice to be able to prepare for that a little in advance. And we had skyrocketing costs and uh, revenues started to to go down. And that combination was brutal uh, on the city. And it would have been nice to have a little more prep time.
0: Yeah. How were you able to adjust to that?
1: Well, we had some very tough measures that we had to, to take because we were facing uh, service delivery and solvency. And that meant we would have enough money to pay our bills. We just wouldn't have enough money to provide services to our people. So we had a fiscal reform plan that we adopted that included everything from making everybody take a 10% pay cut. Many of our unions agreed to that because the alternative was laying off hundreds of additional people. We did lay off firefighters, we laid off police officers, we laid off librarians, we, we cut, cut, cut. But the fiscal reform plan turned us around in 2011, so we have, after 10 years of cutting services to balance the budget, we've had three uh, straight years now of uh, modestly improving services. But it was a difficult, painful process that we had to go through Uh, in order to avoid insolvency, and so we made some uh, tough choices, but the alternatives were worse.
0: You know, it seems like another set of tough choices you're having to make, and another major transition is from a city that was essentially suburban, started as a farming community not so long ago, transitioned to suburban, and now is really transitioning to urban. I know that that's tough, right, because you have to make a whole different set of choices about the kinds of mobility options people have, the kinds of, you know, where are the trade-offs between design and planning and economic development? And I know you've struggled with some of that. Where is San Jose on that journey?
1: Well, we certainly struggle with that, but San Jose has a lot of experience on, on that journey. San Jose basically grown about the rate of 10,000 people a year for five decades, Started as basically a small farming community uh, right after World War II and grew ra- rapidly to 100,000 and then doubled to 200,000 in a decade and then doubled to 400,000 in a decade and have been continuing to grow ever since. But we decided about 30, 40 years ago that we need to go up rather than out. So the voters uh, approved a, an urban growth boundary and a green line around our city, uh, and that has constrained us to grow up and not out. And that means uh, more urbanization, more densification. And it's always a struggle, even though we have a high level policy and a great deal of public commitment to that, when it gets right down to project by project, that's a different story. And it takes a lot of effort to bring the community along when you have a high density housing project going into almost any part of the city. But we do know that our downtown has been the focus of urbanization. We're very happy about that, tremendous support for that that's rarely an issue. The issue is as we densify along our transportation corridors, uh, some of those uh, are in suburban areas, and so we have issues with that. But you have to work the community, and you have to bring people along, and ultimately you can Get the public support for the project-by-project project analysis that is a very different fight than the high-level policy analysis. So we have a lot of experience at it, but it takes a concerted effort by the elected officials to bring the community along. It's not just a top-down thing. You have to work and work and work and work to make it happen.
0: What are citizens in those neighborhoods most fearful of, and what is it that you can say or you can do to mitigate that fear?
1: Well, 90% of it is about traffic, typically. I have almost 14 years as an elected official and 14 years as a planning commissioner, so I've heard hundreds and hundreds of hearings on uh, development. And high-density housing defined as anything more dense than what I live in, (laughs) depending (laughs) upon the neighborhood you're in, is always an issue, but usually it revolves around traffic. And how do you manage the traffic? How do you build the transportation infrastructure? That will allow people not to have to drive on my street, but to drive, maybe not drive at all, but walk to transportation and use for transportation. So we put a lot of money into building a transportation infrastructure, but we also know that most people are still going by car and every development will add additional traffic and most people feel that one additional car on their street is, is one car too many. So it, it's not an easy thing, but it is about traffic and managing the transportation and getting people to and from work, to and from school in an efficient manner is is really the key to a lot of things, not just the densification and being able to make projects happen, but ultimately to environmental issues as well because less people driving is less pollution. So there's many things that come together around trying to have an efficient transportation system.
0: One of the- tensions in the transition we're going through now, it seems, is, is really focused right here in Silicon Valley. And that is the move, the interest still in campus-like facilities, facilities turned in on themselves that a number of companies still want. And then you have a number of companies moving into cities and wanting their employees to be right in the middle of the city. And and I think in part, that's because that's where employees are living. It's a generational change in in what they prefer in their work, work life and lifestyle in general. How are you dealing with that as the mayor of a city that is urbanizing, and you must still have employers who want the campus while you're trying to create more of a grid and more conviviality on the street? How do you balance that?
1: As the uh, by far the largest city and the capital, Silicon Valley, uh, we have to pay close attention to what the interests of our tech sector companies are. And so as San Jose, as a policy matter, we try to have a wide range of development opportunities for companies that want to stay here and grow here, which is what we hope they will do. So we offer everything from, you want a high-rise environment, uh, you can do that downtown. Uh, If you want a mid-rise, you can do that other places. But if you want to go out into remote areas and be all alone, like IBM did 50 years ago in a couple of locations, that's possible too. And so we recognize that Silicon Valley companies have their own interests, and uh, they will do their projects to to meet their interests, otherwise it it won't happen. And uh, we we just have to acknowledge that the, the campus idea is still very powerful in Silicon Valley, very popular. And we've surveyed the kinds of developments that have happened over the last few years. So the campus used to be two-story buildings scattered around garden-like facilities with lots and lots of surface parking. The campus has evolved into seven- and eight-story buildings, but still it is designed so that the people in all the multiple buildings can relate to each other more so than relating to the exterior and that desire to have the employees relate to each other, stay on campus, never leave campus, uh, continue to work and have everything they need provided on campus is a key part of the Silicon Valley approach, at least uh, in the current environment. There are companies that see an urban environment with uh, a tall building where everybody's in one building as a big plus like Adobe in downtown San Jose. They've been down here for over 30 years. Others have followed. Probably 10% of Silicon Valley companies uh, think that urbanized, really urbanized uh, high-density workplaces is, is good. And we, we see companies that have moved into San Francisco into high-density projects. They moved into downtown San Jose. But the vast majority of Silicon Valley companies that are moving or building are in six, five, six, seven, eight-story buildings, uh, much taller, much denser than they were decades ago, but not nearly as dense as, a, as an urban environment. So I'm not really ready to call it urban. Uh, it's not quite suburban, but it's not quite urban either, and that just is the model that Silicon Valley wants now and is being built. We are seeing 10-story buildings now come into play, which is maybe the next phase when we start seeing uh, 20 and 30 and 40-story buildings in Silicon Valley. Uh, I think that's some time away based on where the, the industry is now.
0: Speaking of Silicon Valley, you, you've started a new organization, Silicon Valley Talent Partnership to bring some of that Silicon Valley talent to City Hall. Tell us about it.
1: San Jose is surrounded by this tremendous talent pool called Silicon Valley, and while we have a lot of talented and innovative people working for the City of San Jose, we've had to cut a lot of capacity to take on new projects and do new things over a decade of service cuts to balance the budget. We lack the capacity to do everything that we would like to do. And yet we're surrounded by this tremendous talent pool. So as we engage with Silicon Valley companies and their employees to do things like a school makeover or a park makeover or come up do things was uh, to me was, wow, I wonder if I could get these people that put those PhDs to work doing something besides picking up litter. And it it turns out there's a tremendous desire in Silicon Valley to give back to the community and to help out, and people love the idea that they can use their high-level skills in order to help local governments. We're blessed to be here in Silicon Valley and the, the social, mobile, and cloud technology innovations that are going on now. I think gives us this huge opportunity to change the way we engage with our people. There, there are a lot of things we can do with the Silicon Valley Talent Partnership, a lot of innovation, but I think the most exciting one is getting a, a new way to engage the people of the city of San Jose in the process of what we do as government. Uh, we have an extensive community-based budgeting process that we go through, and I do uh, meetings every council district. We have lots and lots of public participation, but you know we're only scratching the surface of the people and the people we reach is a very small percentage of our population. You know, if we can use cloud social and, and mobile media to vastly expand the people that we can reach and the people that get engaged, that would be huge for us. And I think that's the real opportunity with the Silicon Valley Talent Partnership is to reach out, find the talent in Silicon Valley that's ready, able, and willing to help. And there's a lot of it and put it to work to change the way we engage with our community. So that's a very exciting part of what we're doing.
0: Do you think if the city had not gone through that financial dislocation, that upheaval that you spoke about earlier, that you would be doing the Silicon Valley Talent Partnership?
1: Probably not. Crisis generates opportunities and absent the crisis, inertia continues to keep people in the same path. So it it really is the opportunity that came out of necessity of having to do more with less and doing less with less and the opportunity to begin to do more with less resources. So probably without the crisis, the impetus uh, to take it on wouldn't have been as good because there is bureaucratic inertia that we have to overcome, and that's one of the challenges of the Silicon Valley Challenge Partnership, is to get the city staff to be willing to allow outsiders to come in and help out. Because we have a lot of creative, talented people, and we can certainly take care of many of our issues by ourselves, but when you've cut the staffing and cut the capacity, people realize, wow, there's things I would like to do in my department that I just can't get to. But no matter how much we want to do something, we don't have the capacity to get to it. If we had some help from the outside, that would allow us to do some things that we want to do that were really good. So I think the crisis created the, uh, the, the opportunity uh, to just say to ourselves that all right, it's time to, to approach these problems differently and to bring additional resources to bear.
0: I can imagine that as you draw on this talent that it sits in companies that are globally concerned and and selling globally, that this could engage them in San Jose in a way that they haven't really been engaged before, and therefore make them more civic and more social in this community. Do you expect that to be the result?
1: Yes, I I think that's another important aspect of what we're doing here. On the corporate side, our companies are global in nature. Uh, A lot of their philanthropy is done internationally, and they don't necessarily focus just on, uh, on San Jose or even Silicon Valley just because so much of their focus is around the world, but their people live in Silicon Valley. So this is an opportunity for their people to give back to the community that they live in. Even though they have a global job, they do live here. Their children go to school here, and they participate in the community. This is just a way for them to more easily give back in a very meaningful and a very important way. So I think that helps cement them in terms of their connection to the community. So it helps the companies. We know from reports we've gotten from the. The companies, the the employees that have have worked on our projects are very excited about it, and it's very important to them to have this kind of opportunity for community service.
0: You're in the last six months of your eight-year term limited time as mayor. What advice do you have for other mayors?
1: I think I would advise every mayor to embrace open government, to embrace full disclosure budgeting, uh, to get it all out there, because the strongest allies you can have are going to be the people that elected you to office. And much of what government does is unknown to most people. And to the extent you can make the information available, get people engaged in the process, you can have huge allies in solving the problems uh, and making the decisions that, that you have to do. And open government is the key to that. Because if people find out about something that's going to happen two or three days before it happens, they don't have time to get engaged. You gotta get it out sooner. And if you have problems in your budget or someplace else, the more sunshine you can put on those problems, the better. Uh, because people will get engaged, they'll help out, and when you go to them and ask them for something, uh, you'll have some credibility and you have the facts. And If you can get the facts out there so people can understand them, you will have allies.
0: And there are a lot of people going to the polls in the next few months to elect mayors. What advice would you give to people casting a ballot for mayor? What is it they should look for? What's the checklist that says this is the mayor who will lead our city You know, in this time that is so challenging?
1: I think it's important to have people that are honest and have integrity. I would advise people to try to elect people who won't kick the can down the road. Uh, Because that has been, unfortunately, the path of least resistance in many, many communities. And so the problems get bigger. The unfunded liabilities grow. And they grow and they grow and then suddenly you find yourself in a position where you have almost no alternatives and the bankruptcy is uh, basically the only way out and that's a horrible place to be in but if i had wanted to i probably could have sidestepped uh, many of the fiscal issues that we had to take on and just kick them into the next administration you can do that for a while but there's huge risk at that and just kicking a can down the road administration after administration means that someday you will be in horrible circumstances as we see cities around the, the country and states around the country. Just because you keep kicking the can down the road, that can gets bigger. <laughs> it doesn't go away. It just gets bigger and harder and harder to kick, and eventually it will it will hurt your city.
0: Mayor Reed, thanks for being our guest on Night Cities. Happy to do it. Mayor Chuck Reed is mayor of San Jose, California. You've been listening to Night Cities, a production of the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation. Follow us on Twitter at hashtag Night Cities. I'm Carol Colletta.